Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Naturalist Capitalist. I've got something kind of different here today. I am here with my friend Vince. We just finished a road trip. I was in Reno for the Libertarian National Convention. I'll have to do another episode kind of, <clears throat> I mean, I'll touch on it a little bit here, but I'll do another episode completely covering everything that went down there. But Clean Sweep, the Mises Caucus now controls the Libertarian Party. It's got every major uh, position, so things went well. But anyway, I drove from Reno over to Sacramento where I met up with Vince, and we did a road trip uh, from San Francisco up through the Redwoods to uh, Crater Lake and back here to Salt Lake. And tomorrow we're headed to Texas to hang out with Ryan Dawson, Eric Jackman, and uh, Ron Paul. But anyway, uh, Vince, why don't you just tell us little bit about yourself. Just tell us how, um, maybe start out with uh, how you and I first met, how that all happened. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm from uh, good old Massachusetts, uh, raised in a nice blue bubble, <laughs> so to speak. And, you know, I once I got to an age where I could start thinking for myself, <laughs> um, I was very quickly um, convinced that this two-party system was the problem, and it basically pitted people against each other. So at some point I moved to New Hampshire, right? And you can imagine just a 10 mile move, just the, the, the diversity of people, the diversity of thought I was exposed to compared to Massachusetts. And so at a certain point I realized, you know, I should get active if this, if this stuff is something I'm passionate about. And there was a candidate by the name of Tulsi Gabbard that sort of picked the good parts out of all the different arguments I'd heard up to that point. And it was on that campaign that I had met Reed. And so uh, one of the first ways we met, you know, was just at an event. Uh, Reed at the time was kind of going through a moment of disillusionment with politics himself, uh, more so coming from the right side. It's almost like we were we had like mirror experiences. But by the time I hooked up with Reed, it was very clear that um, there were some things lacking in the campaign that at the time I may, may have been overlooking. And uh, Reed is not one to compromise very much. So. Uh, once everything, you know, that journey was over for us, uh, Reed told me about starting uh, this podcast. It's a green screen, by the way, but <laughs> after two years of uh, work and just, you know, um, assembling relationships and you know, now this, this, these big changes of the Libertarian Party, I mean, if you had told me two years ago, it would have been like easy, Reed, but, you know, he's proved me wrong. So this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember... Uh when I, I first saw a Tulsi Gabbard sign in 2019 in New Hampshire, I didn't even know if it, who she was. didn't know it was a, she didn't know what this person was running for. Cause it all, you know, the signs just said Tulsi 2020. So Tulsi? I was like, is this for mayor? Is this for governor? Is she, he or she a Republican Democrat? I didn't know anything. Then I found out about her through a YouTube commercial and I was like, Oh, she actually, Makes a little bit of sense. So I remember uh, the first day I decided to check out this campaign. I knew she was going to be, I forget what town this was in, somewhere in southern New Hampshire. And she was doing a meet and greet where they were like building this gazebo or something. Do you remember that yeah, one? Yeah, with the veterans in Newmarket. Yeah, sure. yeah, Newmarket. That's where it was. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'll go to it. And there were like 30 people there maybe. So I actually got to talk with her for a while. But I remember when I first... Um, I came there, I started talking to one of the volunteers and she was selling shirts and I was like, oh, can I get one? And she was like, yeah, these are all union made. Like we wouldn't, you know, sell anything that wasn't made by unions. We support unions. And like, that was my first, you know, interaction. Saying. And I was just like, 
I don't know if this whole like, you know, Democrat thing is going to work. To be fair, the campaign <laughs> had to do that because of some shit that was signed somewhere with the Democratic Party. But yeah, I, I get your point. <laughs> yeah, well, I, there were like some people I met where I was just like, okay, like I'll, I'll give this a shot. But then <laughs> you and Eric and uh, fuck, I'm forgetting his name. Who's the other guy that helped us with guns? Uh, George Carpenter, George, yeah. um, you know, several other people. I was like, okay. Like, I kind of belong here. Like, there's some people who are, like, kind of skeptical who aren't just, like, you know, Democrats or whatever. But what was that like for you? Were you just, like, did you just jump into it and it was cool no matter what? Or were you no, happy I mean, to find people? I, I jumped in to the campaign February that year. And I remember why I did it. It was uh, I was tuning through. For some reason, I used to watch Colbert at the time. And just seeing, like, up to that point, I thought, Wow this lady Tulsi checks all the boxes uh -huh. on all the different aisles. Like this is going to be great. And then I saw how, you know, Colbert was treating her. I was like, Oh man, they've already made their judgment. Like Tulsi is blacklisted. So it's like, when I heard that she's like just using volunteers to, to manage her campaign, it's like, well, you know, I kind of like her. I see the bullshit here on TV. If, if I'm not going to do anything, how can I expect anyone else to do anything? And so, you know, I work a full-time job. So at first I started, okay, I'll wave some signs a couple times a week. And then you get to meet people. And when you, to answer your question directly, it was the only time I'd ever seen, you know, liberals, uh, conservatives, people that didn't have a fucking clue, people that were yeah. really well-versed, had strong opinions, literally all work together and bust ass just to, you know, give this lady a spot. Mm -hmm. And that's something I hadn't seen anywhere. I mean, I'd seen, I wasn't so... Um, heavily involved with politics when Ron Paul ran for both. But at the same time, it was based on where, what I had seen at that point in my life. Like I was all in later on, you know, there's a come, there comes a point where you have to ask yourself, like, do you finish what you started or you just say, fuck it, let's go home. And considering the other options, <laughs> I thought, uh, you know, let's just stick this one through and see where it goes. Yeah. So, um, I, I agree with what you're saying about the campaign being remarkable in the way that there are people that really didn't agree on a ton. Some of them only agreed on one thing, which was like, you know, end the war in Yemen and we shouldn't still be in Syria and Saudi Arabia is not our friend or whatever, like kind of those like foreign policy ideas. I agreed with her on more than just that, but some people like that was the one thing and they disagreed on everything else, but they would all get together and wave a sign for her. Right. And it still blows my mind, especially with like all the shit that goes on in the Libertarian Party when people agree on like 99% of stuff. Like, I just remember back to this campaign where, I mean, there were literal communists on that campaign yeah. waving a sign with me. And we both disagreed with each other on a ton and disagreed with Tulsi on a ton. But we were like, hey, we're all here. It was the spirit of Aloha. It was just weird. I mean, if the Congress could do like a fraction of what I saw everyone in that campaign do, I think this country would be in much better shape. Yeah. <laughs> they only can when we're like raising spending or going to war or passing some surveillance, then they act like that. Yeah. They, like, all... I guess that's what I underestimated going into work for that campaign is I, I didn't understand the, the power that money had over. I mean, everyone says they do, they understand it, but when you see it like with your own eyes, when you, when you hear of like, um, you know, the, the polar is like hanging up on our people. Like it's, it's just, Oh wow. This even, even in our own party, this is a problem. Like I grew up with like, yeah, yeah. You know, Republicans are racist. They're corrupt. They fund this and that the NRA. Obviously, you know, I know now that, yeah. that that's pretty much all of politics, 
at least for the two main parties. And, you know, it's very easy to, you know, blame this person or that can't, you know, candidate on a personal level, but it's like, until the system gets taken care of, I don't see what can happen. So when I, when I hear of the libertarian parties, you know, um, achievements in the past year and, and, and growth, it's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, just want to talk about Tulsi's campaign a little bit more because it's oh, yeah, really sure. like formative to how I got here and how like everything we've seen. But um, uh, the, the thing about the campaign that really changed me was I didn't realize how evil the establishment was until I was on that campaign because I saw them like laugh at Ron Paul and kind of belittle Trump and they would they were pretty bad to Trump in some ways like they did call him a Russian traitor or whatever but nothing compared to like what they did to her I mean it was just insane I couldn't believe it was happening and she was a current like serving member in the National Guard and a congresswoman. And Actually, she yeah. was like as straight and narrow as you can get and like honorable and kind and like loyal. Like think of how loyal she was to the Democratic Party when they just like fucking stomped on her. And like the fact that like I saw them do this to her like over and over and over again, and it just blew my mind. But what was that like for you? No, I mean, that I would say um, seeing treatment by her own party in that campaign is probably you know what's solidified today i identify as an independent mm -hmm. i'm not quite ready to say libertarian but it's, it's we'll get them don't worry I, we're working on it it's yeah. because of that campaign I'm, I'm afraid you know when you when you think blue or a certain color through certain lenses for a certain time and then you realize oh there's more to it i i personally i hesitate to jump in on another party even if you know it feels good to have um a label it feels good to have support and camaraderie and you know accountability even on your ideas someone that kind of suss out what goes on through your head but um yeah I, I can honestly say that was like the nail in the coffin it's like i am no longer calling myself a democrat and i'm no longer going to be afraid of not calling myself a democrat whether i'm in massachusetts new york or california yeah so last thing on tulsi's campaign um we got to talk about guns like people i don't think realize like what a pain in the ass i was about this <laughs> issue i was just wondering if you could explain to the audience like how fucking annoying was reed coverdale about guns oh, on the man. campaign you know so one of the things i, I was told that one of one of the ways i could best help that campaign is to you know if someone wants to get involved like tell them what to do like you know, if they have ideas, try to get those ideas, write them down, report them to, you know, up, up the chain. And uh, one of the real obvious things, considering New Hampshire being, you know, being one of the first states and being uh, one of the most uh, pro-liberty states, you could see when we're sign waving, you know, so many times we get asked, you know, this, this lady sounds interesting, but what can you tell her about? What can you tell us about her stance on guns? And for so, so many occasions, that was like sort of the icebreaker that would, you know, go from you know, one person kind of going like this into engaging with us about something they really cared about. And so when we brought up the idea of, um, well, actually Reed came up with the idea of, okay, how do we incorporate this into the campaign to appeal to New Hampshire voters? Seems like a very, not you know, non-brainer. Like it could have been, okay, let's pitch it from a women's rights, you know, pitch like self-defense. So we could have, you know, Tulsi, who's very comfortable around guns, you know, sort of do like an infomercial kind of thing. But something even that, um, let's say, that base, that comfort, yeah. yeah, it's it's base. But I also, <laughs> when I first heard about, it, I was like, I don't see how, uh, like, the most staunch progressive 
woke person, whatever you want to call it, would oppose this idea. And yet when we try to run things up the chain, you know, there, there's so many priorities going on. At one point I'd heard, well, I don't want to repeat what I'd heard, but, it, you know, essentially it's uh, different opinions on targeting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, when, when that happens, yeah, you need to, you need someone to step in and say, okay, no, this, this is the strategy, but who do you put in charge of that? And that's where, you know, again, everyone's got an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a great learning experience. Like, regardless of the many things I disagree with Tulsi on and also like the, when I'm confused, like when she endorses Biden or like when she originally kind of threw in with the COVID shit, like I, I don't regret doing any of it. Like it yeah. was very good learning experience. There are people like you and Eric and David fight that I still am friends with today. So certainly don't regret any of that stuff. Um, but after the campaign, you moved to Hawaii and lived out on a farm and polished papayas and sort of like, you know, dabbled in Hinduism a little bit. Tell us about that. What was that like? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, so, you know, I'd, I'd been working at uh, my job and, you know, kind of went on this adventure that, you know, I had the opportunity to, you know, help out with a cause that I truly believed in. And after that, I kind of started thinking of myself as like institutionalized, right? Like to to go on this journey, then go back to where I was. And um, when the campaign had asked me to help them out, I basically had a decision to make is do I quit my job and kind of challenge, you know, the the rest of my future or do I just kind of stay with what's safe? So I chose the latter. And after the campaign ended, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with my life. You know, I'd, I'd always been, you know, in the sciences, that's my field, but realizing I could help, you know, in other aspects of life that I hadn't considered, it really made me think a little bit. So I wanted to kind of get away from all the noise, definitely from politics. I mean, I don't have to tell you, like when you're like in it, yeah, <laughs> it's like, there's like a vacuum. So just kind of recharge. And, uh, you know, I kept in touch with Reed and he's kind of keeping me, you know, up to speed with what's going on in the outside world. And uh, eventually I came back and uh, found a job in, um, in West Sacramento, California. <laughs> No, it's much to uh, read chagrin and a couple other friends, but uh, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing there's uh, there's ways I could serve here too. I think. Yeah. So uh, I remember after the campaign died, she endorsed Biden. You had like a one week layover basically in Arizona before you flew out to Hawaii. So we did a 27 mile backpacking trip or it wasn't a backpack trip. It was a hiking trip. It was one day. Like right. we didn't. So uh, I don't know if anyone watching is familiar with the Grand Canyon, but we hiked down the Bright Angel Trail all the way to the river, then walked up river a couple miles. And then to, I forget the name of the other trail, took another trail out. And then we came out on the rim, like seven miles away from the truck. And uh, I had just picked him up. What was the town you were staying in before I picked you up? You were down near somewhere near Phoenix, kind of Scottsdale. Yeah. So I picked you up and we drove all the way up to the Grand Canyon, spent the night in the truck, got up first thing in the morning, did this 27 mile hike. And then we drove all the way back down almost to Phoenix and camped. And then he flew to Hawaii the next day. But I distinctly remember that we were going down the Bright Angel Trail and this park ranger just sees us and screams at us just stop stop and i didn't know if there was a mountain lion coming or something i was just like what okay so you and i stopped and then she pulled her handkerchief out and put it over her face and she got like 10 feet off the trail 
and then was like, okay, come on down now. And then we came down and then she scolded us for about five minutes, how we were super spreaders and we were being irresponsible. It's like, we thought going on a hike was like the most responsible thing we could do. Cause this was in uh, the like end March. of March in 2020. So this is like the, the like pinnacle of hysteria. Nobody knows what's going on. So we just went hiking and this was new to us, this type of outbreak and reaction. So we laughed it off and thought it was just ridiculous. But that was really just a sample of what was what to come. (laughs) That was a tiny little bit. I mean, I remember. So that night, too, is actually the the night that you you told me about this idea. Mm -hmm. But it was also the night that uh, Tulsi, or at least we'd heard that Tulsi had endorsed Biden. Yeah. And um, I remember we really like. You know, like you said, like after that hike, after coming out of a canyon and hiking, just being dead. And then you hear that news like, (laughs) okay, that's it. I'm done with politics. I'm so I think what had actually happened, she had endorsed him like two days earlier, but we hadn't like heard anything else from her. Oh, she came on Jimmy Dore. Yeah, she went on Jimmy Jimmy Dore's show and he asked her some tough questions. It was tough. It was not great answers. We were like, oh, they were tough questions, but he, I remember that like, he wasn't trying to do like the gotcha. Right. He, he was like, hey, I'm trying to help you out here. Like, what yeah. do you have to say for yourself? And I remember like, oh, man. You know, you know, at the end of the day, I have to remember like, I shouldn't put anyone on a pedestal, right? Like, right. And, and, and I'm, that's not a dig at Tulsi. That's like, I don't know what it's like to be in Tulsi's shoes. I don't know all the gears, all the things that they have to manage. I'm just, you know, helping in this one regard. And so, yeah, it's disappointing. And I don't want to like deal with that again so i'm going to be a little more cautious to you know where i throw my effort in but um uh you had mentioned before like no regrets because this is like these are the things you have to learn at some point yeah or else you end up like you know nick what's his face nick sarwark yeah (laughs) so um i want to talk a little bit about your experience in hawaii because i also like left my profession behind and took off for two years went to all 50 states alaska Mm -hmm. hawaii everywhere else did all this traveling and it completely changed my outlook on life. Um, But I remember while you were uh, working on this farm, you know, you and I are pretty aligned, you know, when it comes to religion or whatever. So you were like calling me and telling me stuff they were telling you. And you're like, read what the hell, like this, this is all bullshit, right? Is this what they do with every, but I just thought it was hilarious like to hear someone else go through an experience like that because I was reliving my younger days when like they would tell me don't question this because that's the devil you know prodding at you to you know think about things you shouldn't or whatever mm-hmm. and then hearing you kind of echo these thoughts uh w- when you were into this uh you know kind of into this Hindu cult or whatever but what was that like what was the religious experience like or yeah I mean religious is it's- almost the wrong i mean i don't want to be i don't want to cop out and go this was more spiritual than religious i mean that's what they all say so and and to be and to be fair it's it's one of the oldest religions right so like the the text you know we can say the bible the quran they're man-made but these have you know we have old actual books in sanskrit and you know that's that's not um i'm not trying to say like i believe everything i heard and saw 100 percent. but what it was for me is you know i i could the people I was there, I could see, I could literally see them work all day. And the one thing they had that I wanted that I was looking for is at the end of that day, they would pick an avocado off the tree. They would slice into it 
and they would eat it. And I swear the, the endorphins they would get from that one bite, it would take me like months and months and months and months of working to try to get someone elected or, or, you know, maybe even fix it with some cigarettes, try to get it like cheap. Like they had just had this purity about them that I, I felt I needed. And the way they were able to present or try to teach that was if that was, you know, through religion and singing and chanting, that was, you know, more than willing to do that. Who doesn't like to sing and chant? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things like for me, I've always been a seeker. Like if something rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. I'll, I'll call Reed. I'll call someone who I trust like bitch about it, but it's, it's like, no, like, you know, how wrong was I about this, you know, blue bubble thing for so many years. So how, how does that, why would that permit me to judge something from, you know, the, the far perspective or from, from a little amount of time. So like in the end, you know, obviously I'm here, I, I, I left, but you know, I learned, I came away learning a lot more about myself. Like when I was calling you, man, like, tell me like part of you was like, man, this kid's like fucking pussy. He's been there like a week, like get your shit together. Well, I, it was actually the opposite for me. Like you'd been there, like how long were you there? Nine months? Yeah, nine months. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember you kept calling me and like bitching about stuff. And it was like three months in, three months, two days, three months, four days, you know, and this like kept going. And I was, I was surprised. Like you were there a long time. We like, cause I know in, as always in retrospect, you're like, oh yeah, that was great. Like I learned yeah. so much, but I remember like day by day, yeah. you were like, holy shit, I need to get out of here. So yeah, this just, is to, just to give you some context, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working a, you know, white collar job, you know, eight to five, clean clothes, come home clean. And then I do this, you know, the campaign thing on the side, you know, where I'm, I'm getting driven around to like hotels and do all this stuff. Now I'm living where I have to like shower with rainwater and I have to like plant all my food and cook it. So a lot of it is a little bit like, you know, um, what do you call it? Like culture first shock. World. Yeah, or, culture yeah. shock. Just being a little materialistic bitch, really. So <laughs> just well, know, learning that about myself, I'm grateful like for that, you know? So this guy is a, a genius. He's not going to talk about it much, but he's he's a chemist. So, like, he has to he has to know how to mix chemicals and get different compounds or whatever. So this permeates over into other scientific areas. So he's, he's a super smart guy. But didn't you actually, like, have to make an antenna? on the corner of your shed so you'd get a cell phone signal so you could call yeah, me. right. So the big islands, <laughs> you know, so there's three carriers, there's Sprint, there's AT&T and T-Mobile. I have T-Mobile and that part of the big island I'm on, that band just doesn't work well. So I bought yeah. a burner phone that had AT&T. And again, because of where they are, even in that zone, AT&T has coverage, but they're deep in the jungle. So it's a question of getting enough height. So instead of like trying to climb a hill, you just make the wire do it. So what happens is like on my way to town when i'm you know sent to pick up the workers i would like download a youtube video or a pdf or a book and like read about how the fuck do antennas work and after you know a couple of weeks it's like oh shit there's like a whole coil of fucking cable wire on it so let's just pull over and get that and then obviously they had a garage and tools and slowly but surely you know i, I eventually i'm able to like rig something the uh, another cool thing that a really grateful thing so this guy had a bunch of solar panels that had been accumulating since like the 90s and he had no one to like install them there were no electricians it was in the middle of covid i don't know what the fuck i'm doing but i had time <laughs> so just kind of starting out with that, i was able to kind of redo his whole like one he had a couple acres but basically one acre now had electricity and uh again that's something i'm totally grateful for because i there was never been a need to like learn any of that yeah if i wasn't there 
So you were also on a vegan or just vegetarian diet this whole time? Yeah. So I tried to, uh, you know, um, these people, they, they believe that uh, basically their, their ethical consequences in, into eating meat. So, you know, I tried it their way and uh, definitely like, man, I, I had stomach issues like the first month. I was like, what the fuck? Because I don't know. I guess the proteins from like legumes and beans are different to digest. So that hurt. But after a while, I can honestly say like, I don't think I missed it unless I was walking by, you know, like this Micronesian family that had just roasted, you know, done an emu with a pig with all, the, you know. So, so yeah, okay. Let's say I was tempted, but if it wasn't waved in my face, I honestly didn't miss it. What What sucks is just eating the same food every day. Yeah. If you don't know how to like prepare something a little bit different, it's it gets yeah. so this guy went from like making all these complex chemical compounds to come up with different rubbers and plastics or whatever to polishing papayas for nine months. And so I remember like I would talk to you on the phone and he'd be like, Oh, I gotta go, the papaya truck's coming because I would just dump all the papayas. <laughs> so how did it feel like going from something so complex and scientific and technical to just like taking a rag to a piece of fruit. Oh my God. I was trying to make it technical. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're showing me, okay, Vince, this is this one simple thing you can do. You don't have to be an expert fire. Just fucking wipe the pie this way, put it in there. And I'm like pushing back. I'm like, all right, it's four of us. It took us an hour to do this. What if we had like a ramp and like just drop the papaya in and like, uh, you know, trying to like engineer this machine. And these, you know, these guys are like, you know, they built this place with their hands. You know, they, it took them 10 years to, you know, save up and buy a tractor. And here I'm like talking, like, you know, trying to reinvent the fucking art of farming for them. So it's, it's, um, you know, it's a shock. It's like, you have to realize like, just cause you have an idea, like the way you present it, you know, like know your role. Like I just got there. I'm a guest. Like I ain't shit. The, the guys used to call me college boy, which is, you know, it was a term of endearment, but it was also like, hey, dude, you ain't shit right here. Just yeah. like learn from us and know your role. Yeah. I mean, I remember feeling sort of that way when I, I went from like running a crew of a bunch of men, like doing these multi million dollar power line jobs, right? To working on a roof, like cutting pieces of insulation to fit around pipes or whatever. And the first like couple weeks, I was completely useless. I had no idea what I was doing. And it's super basic shit like there's nothing complicated about roofing but like especially when there's a language barrier which there was here like I, yeah. I speak spanish as you know but not like really fluently and i hadn't spoken it in a while before this job so it took a lot of uh you know uh conditioning to get used to that and it, it's just really a humbling experience to be like a pro at what you do and then go do something else and yeah. be like, oh shit, I am not good at this yet, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's actually one of the reasons, uh, you know, other than uh, the campaign, but that was that's how I was thinking at the job I was at. It's it's um, you know, I just don't ever want to stagnate. <laughs> I do I do really stupid shit when I feel bored. So if I don't keep this like going, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So what was your favorite part about the trip we just did? What was the one we just did? Oh, yeah. definitely Crater Lake. The, so, okay, ma imagine uh, 10,000 years ago, there, there's a volcano, it erupts, everything. And then over the next 10,000 years, that just slowly fills up with water. And then you get to see that. You don't get to swim in it, but that's okay. We'll, we'll come back. Yeah, we'll go back when we, there's no snow. But yeah, 2,000 foot deep lake, no inlets at all. It's all snow melt and spring fed. So the water is just perfectly clear. 
Uh, how much snow? There were drifts of like up to 10, 15 feet of snow in some drifts. places. So the, yeah. the lady in her hotel told us 69 feet. Nice. 69 feet of snow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I mean, but it's what? The first, second of June today. We were there. Was that just yesterday? Yeah, it was. Two days, no? That was just yesterday. Oh, wow. Yeah. We, we covered a lot of ground. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, there's still tons of snow there. So I guess you got to go there in like September or something to. Mm -hmm escape the snow but um yeah what did i uh, i mean what i've liked about you is uh you know from the time we went on that trip to the grand canyon like i've just instantly noticed like oh vince knows how to be a minimalist like so few people are good at that like like so some people like if we're eating out of the same pot or something they're like yeah you know i'm oh, worried right, about right, germs or whatever like before covid even like yeah, yeah, everything yeah. thing people were totally bitching about like you just don't give a shit. Like we strip down and jump in the Colorado river, even though it's like super cold and muddy or whatever. <laughs> and then like this trip, we didn't take a shower the whole time. We're just like sleeping in <laughs> sleeping bags on the side of the road or whatever. And I don't know, that's a quality that not enough people have anymore. Like they don't have any grit anymore. Determination. Yeah, I miss, I miss that because what it does is it makes it so easy to do something like, Hey, I want to sleep under the stars tonight. I don't need all this shit. Or, Hey, I want to go see my buddy three hours from here. I don't need to buy a ticket. Like, Right. It's very low maintenance. Like I always thought at camping, the point of camping was to sort of bring us back to what it used to be. You know, uh, Muslims do Ramadan. These guys do this. But like the, the essential idea to fasting is like, OK, let's be grateful for what we have. Let's let's like keep track of stuff. Yeah. So when like camping with you, I'm always reminded that it's like, yeah, you, you really don't need much to enjoy life. <laughs> yeah. You just need to do it. Everything else is an excuse. Yeah. So something you've uh, been looking over the last couple of days that I've been telling you about yeah. is the Mises caucus and the new direction of the libertarian party. So what do you think? Like you seem like you're kind of excited and you're interested to see where this goes. What, what do you want to see from libertarians? Yeah. I mean, uh, let me just start off and say like, I'm, I was very ignorant to the workings of the libertarian party. I mean, I knew of Ron Paul, of course, but I, I, I'd always imagined the, that the libertarian party was mostly you know mysey's people it right. always had been i didn't realize it was a struggle to to get to where you know as of what yesterday now or two days ago mm -hmm. and so um what i really want to see is okay you know we tried the, the the pragmatic approach and honestly that's probably what i sounded like most most of the you know the past two years is how do you get the libertarians message out there without scaring off you know the the mainstream left and right uh, potential voters and so the first step to that, I think, is just having everyone on the same page. I mean, yeah, I used to, Reed used to tell me, you kind of mentioned, you know, to go from a campaign where you see like that spectrum of beliefs and then they can work together. But then you hear about the libertarians like, wait, why don't they have their shit together? Yeah. Because of that? <laughs> what the fuck? So, you know, now, you know, having that crew, this core, you know, with very capable people it's not now like the, the sky's the limit you know now we can really see what we can do because I mean, whereas before everyone can i feel like everyone used to like pin it on uh they were too reliant on the legacy of ron paul it's like ron paul's gonna die soon you know mm -hmm. we, we need we need new people yeah so for sure well speaking of ron paul uh we're going tomorrow to texas we're gonna be with our good old buddy eric jackman and hook up with ryan dawson and go to a ron paul event uh, you just jumped on board with this like last minute. You're, yeah, I mean, we were going to do this road trip and everything. And then you were like, whoa, what the fuck? You're going to see like, Ron what Paul? What are you dishing me for? He's <laughs> like, Ron Paul. I was like, oh, okay. Wait a minute. Can I go? 
so this will be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But what are, what are you hoping to get out of it? I'm 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 hoping to hear something from Ron. Obviously, that that is just new. You know, like what what's his reaction to these events? Like what what uh, does he have any warnings? You know, because you know I just said it maybe a little bit too coldly, but like he's not going to be with us forever. So I looked at it as like man. You know, I had my brief little stint with politics, but I never really got to hear in person the people that really, you know, started this for me, the ones that I admire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. We were talking about this over two years ago about the possibility of this happening. And now you've been a guest on my show. So it's kind of full circle. It's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, any final thoughts you want to leave with the audience? Uh, anything about the last two years or the, the coming days, any, any thoughts from Vince that he wants to share with people? Uh, yeah. I mean, I would just say, just be careful. Keep in mind the things that you don't know, you don't know, and you should be good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in everyone. Um, I will try to get this up tonight. Uh, and I am not going to be doing too many shows over the next few weeks. I'm moving to New Hampshire probably about a week from today uh, and I'll be getting back and I'll be busy. I'll be moving in and uh, doing stuff at pork fest. If you're going to be at pork fest, definitely come and go listen to my speech. I am going to be speaking in the pavilion talking about the government's war on the working man. And I'm trying to get at least 200 people into the pavilion to listen to that. So if you like me and you want to come see me speak in New Hampshire, make sure you do that. Um, and also I'll be doing another workshop about repatriating to New Hampshire, even though I've been someone who's left a couple times, I'm kind of coming back. Maybe, uh, I don't want to say for good because who knows what'll happen in the future, but certainly to invest in the free state project and what's taking place there, trying to get that off the ground. I do think, uh, the only real hope for libertarians is some sort of concentration. Uh, there aren't enough of us to change the whole country. So I uh, will be doing the four horsemen, I think on the 19th and then I'll be at pork fest. So make sure to check that out. Vince, thanks for joining the show. Right, we'll be able to do it again.